0: hour of that today is underway. The Shaw Charity Classic presented by Rogers is upon us. Uh, we're a couple of days away from the main event starting Friday, Saturday, Sunday here at Canyon Meadows, but all kinds of pro-am and lead-up work going on right now at Canyon Meadows. Steinberg, Logan Gordon, and we can't do a show at Canyon Meadows. Uh, we can't do a show involving the Shaw Charity Classic presented by Rogers without uh, Wes Gilbertson here as well. Post Media is Wes Gilbertson, Calgary's king of all things golf, is with us here as well. Hi, Wes!
1: You know, as soon as I saw the Sportsnet 960, the fan tent, go up today, I was like, I can't believe these guys didn't tell me they were going to be at Canyon (laughs) Meadows. I want in on this show, or
0: something,
2: along those lines. Is that how it went?
0: That's that's the... I
2: also believe that at Canyon Meadows, we have to refer to Wes as Aaron Vickers' daddy, so that's... uh, It was right
1: here where a trash-talking Aaron Vickers, if you... If I can paint the scene for you. Please do,
2: please. Uh,
1: You know, Vixie likes to run his mouth, and and he had. And so we can see the green that we were aiming at about 135 yards over there. And then if you see the fountain about 80 yards in front of it. Uh, Yes. uh, If you really squint, Vixie's glow in the dark ball, I think, is just right by that. I think I see a green at the bottom of the pond.
2: By the pond there. Yeah, that's. It's was very far to the left, Wes, and not actually close to the hole at all.
1: Yeah, and so continuing on to Aaron Vickers' traditions, one, he hit a golf ball that he'll never see again, and two... I've never seen the beers that he allegedly <laughs> oh, I was, oh, say, so. uh, was.
0: Was it another case of uh, Wes's wallet came out on the table?
1: Yeah. Pretty well, boys. Pretty well.
0: Oh. Um, we're going to talk to 2022 defending Shaw charity, classic winner, Jerry Kelly in just a couple of minutes. He's going to join us here on Sportsnet today, but as, as we wait to chat with Jerry and then later on this hour, 2003 masters champion, Mike, Weir going to join us live here at Canyon Meadows. But this this has turned into an absolute tradition in this city since the first shot charity classic and Wes I know that you were really involved in the lead-up to this becoming a thing really involved in the first charity classic and now here we are the PGA Tour champions is back again and this this has turned into not only an institution in the city of Calgary it's turned into a bit of an institute on the champions tour as well it's it's pretty cool how this thing has grown and what it's turned into
1: yeah this is the envy of a lot of tournaments on the champions tour and and we hear the players that show up every year the fred couples and the john Daly's and the mike wears and the jerry kelly's we we hear them talk about not just what a well-run tournament it is and how much they enjoy the tree-lined course here at canyon meadows but we hear them talk about the impact that this event has in our community and we're talking about this will be the 11th annual it's actually only been nine tournaments so far because of the pandemic right We're talking about a difference maker in our city to the tune of $93 million in donations, which is absolutely staggering, staggering stuff.
0: Throw that number out again?
1: $93 million in the past 10 years to children's-based charities in Calgary and surrounding area.
0: That is, again, that's almost $10 million a year that you're talking about that they've been able to donate to those charities. It's actually hard to wrap your head around how, so how come, like why, why has this turned into such a successful event? Why is this turned into such an institution?
1: Well, it got off to a great start and they were able to build momentum from there. A lot of credit goes to, uh, two of the, the driving forces were Clay Riddell and J.R. Shaw. And, and if you've been around Calgary for a long time, you've heard plenty about those gentlemen, and now it's their families carrying on the tradition. Like, this event has had tremendous leadership. The community support has always been there in terms of, you know, the fans who come out, and then just the, the charitable component. They've really rallied local charities who realize – that this event can really be a difference maker for them. And and that's all kind of come together to make this one of the best. And that doesn't come from me. It comes from the players. One of the best stops on the PGA Tour champions.
2: Well, it feels like too, Wes, the the momentum that's been gained by the quality of player that's come here has turned this into, because we're talking about, major championship winners and very recognizable recognizable names in the world of golf coming to Calgary to make this thing such a success too
1: yeah absolutely and this has always been a, a golf crazed city like the the people of Calgary certainly love their golf we see it you know if you try if you wake up and try and find a tea time for Saturday morning you see the love for golf there but when you talk about you know Fred Couples when you talk about John Daly when you talk about Calgary former Calgary resident Stephen Ames who's on this incredible hot streak right now and then you even go back to the guys who maybe aren't here this year but have been here in the past the Tom Watsons and the Nick Faldos golf fans in this city have have had the opportunity to come out and and see some of the legends and that sounds like such hyperbole but Legitimately, some of the legends of the sport of golf. There's four World Golf Hall of Famers playing this week. There's 13 guys who won major championships. I think between the 78 of them, they won three almost 300 PJ Tour events. That's like seasons and seasons yeah, and seasons yep. of events. And so, certainly it's been a cool opportunity for folks in this city to come out and watch that caliber of golf and i think calgarians have really taken advantage of it
0: so the 2022 winner of the Shaw charity classic presented by rogers was jerry kelly uh he won it for the first time last year and as we move closer to friday's round one here at canyon meadows it's time to say hello to the 2022 champion jerry kelly joins us on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline right now jerry you're on with pat logan and wes really we appreciate the time this afternoon uh how you doing how are things going so far this week
3: not too bad great to be up in the great white north uh always enjoying my trips up here i love calgary
0: so well it's good to have you and and you uh return to the city as a defending champion how uh, how does it feel to be the uh defending champion of this event
3: I need some positive vibes, so I'll, I'll take them anywhere I can get them. and uh, You know, it, it always feels good to come back to a place where you've had success at. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find that success again this year, so hopefully this is the week.
0: We were uh, talking just before you joined us about this event and uh, why all of the players seem to rave about it. And here you are coming off your win in 2022. You said you always love being up here. It's it's actually not so great, White North, right now. Um, what 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 about uh, what about this event? What about this tournament uh, makes it as exciting as it is for as many players who play in it?
3: Okay. I love staying downtown. I love the restaurants. We I mean, climbed Harris last night. One of our favorite places on the road. Period. Uh, it, I, I mean, you can't go wrong with just about any place you pick, it, and that's uh, it's kind of my favorite thing on the road is uh, going to dinner with my wife and uh, having some fun. But uh, the charity dollars that 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 these guys have raised over the years is just—I mean—it's immense, huge numbers. So uh, we love seeing that. And we get excited knowing that we're uh, we're helping out in some way in the local communities.
1: Jerry, when you uh, when you look back to what happened here at, at Canyon Meadows and, and the way it ended last season, what uh, what really sticks out in the the memory bank?
3: You know, I I didn't know it was happening. You know, until fairly late. Uh, I just. I had to go for a couple shots there, and in the end, and then the in the playoffs, and pulled them off. And uh, it's always nice when something like that happens. I mean, uh, Johnny Houston, good buddy of mine. You know, it's just tough to be in a in a playoff with your buddy, but uh, you know, I really, really happy that it turned out the way it did. It was uh, <laughs> it was a little bittersweet, though. How how would
1: you describe what it's like to be? in a, a golf playoff, you know, I, I know you grew up a hockey player. You've played a lot of team sports, but when it's down at the end of a, a 78 man tournament, it's down to maybe two guys or, or three or four, perhaps what can you just describe that sort of environment, what it's like to be in a playoff at this level?
3: Yeah. I mean, there's just no, there's no second chances. Uh, it, it is sudden death. Uh, I mean, you know, same thing in hockey. That first that first goal. It's not like uh, oh, if you score a field goal, you can go down and and tie him with another field goal or something like that. Or even in, you know in soccer when they're when they're playing the entire overtime period. I mean, there, sudden death has got a different edge to it altogether. So I I really enjoy it. I like being heightened up like that. And uh, yeah, it's I don't. I'd rather be in them than not be in them, but uh, I'd kind of like to win outright because they are stressful.
1: I know you, uh, you were out for a practice round yesterday. I believe you're uh, part of the Pro-Am tomorrow. When you, when you look at it, obviously a lot of good vibes here, but what's it going to take to go back-to-back? What's it going to take to join your good buddy Scott McCarron as the only two-time winner of the Shaw Charity Classic presented by Rogers?
3: Yeah, I mean, you've got to. What it looks like, be strong enough mentally to get through the elements. Uh, it seems like it's going to be a fairly tough weather tournament, and that brings a whole another aspect into play. But uh, it it really it heightens up the mental side much more than the physical because uh, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to make bogeys and you just have to accept them and move on and get your birdies. So. <laughs> oh, it's giving me a good look after that one. I haven't been very accepting lately, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: Jerry Kelly's along with us. He's the winner of the 2022 Shaw Charity Classic. Joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline, Logan Gordon, Wes Gilbertson, and Pat Steinberg along with you this afternoon. Uh, Jerry, is there a, a certain amount of excitement going back to a course you know you've won at before? Is that something that gives you a little extra boost heading into round one?
3: Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, you you definitely know where you you made your birdies. Uh, you made your good saves. Uh, those those memories come back, and uh, I I can see them. So I'm I'm excited to tee it up. I I like everything about this golf course. So I, you got to keep it in the fairway, no question. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's tight driving lines out there.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say the tree line course like this probably means that that tee drive has got to be the most important one of probably every hole here. When you look at the keys out here at Canyon Meadows and you talk about what you need to be successful, what comes to mind for you?
3: No, that's it. Yeah. You have to drive the ball. Well, you have to work at both directions. You have to keep it between the trees. Uh, if it's a dog leg left, you can't just bomb it over the right hand side and cut off everything. You've got to actually shape it with the trees. So it's, uh, you have to be able to move the ball and, uh, That's one thing I like to, I like to do off the tee, so it sets up well for me.
0: I do have to ask you. We're talking to 2022 Shot Charity Classic winner Jerry Kelly here this hour on Sportsnet today, and and Wes asked you a, a little earlier, made reference to uh, your past and your history as a hockey player, and and I know you've talked about this before. I know you've been asked many times about this before, but for listeners who are are listening right now and who may not be aware, uh, hot, hockey was the uh, hockey was the first love before you went uh, before before the golf career really took off. It was uh, it was hockey that you were dialed in on can you uh can you give us a little bit of a reader's digest on the jerry kelly hockey career
3: yeah i got a real easy easy condensed version <laughs> uh you know when i talk with uh when i talk with a lot of the great hockey players and, and i was actually able to grow up with with some nhl players and stanley cup champions uh you know i always could see a golf course. I could see. that I could play it once, and I could remember every single blade of grass. I could. I, I know the the back left pin on this hole. It's got a little slope to it. You can. It, you know, I. I just knew how to play it in my mind. In hockey, I was very fast. I had a good shot. I was aggressive. Small guy going to corners. I'd annoy the crap out of you and make the big guys come after me. <laughs> But I had my head down way too much, and they loved that. Trust me. <laughs> they, were, they were able to get back at me no problem. So, uh, I mean, I just I didn't see the ice well enough. And talking with all the, the great players that I know, they saw the ice and the plays unfolding the way I saw the golf course. So I, I knew the direction. That I was going, so I was breaking uh, too many bones too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you mentioned some of the guys you play, you grew up with. How how uh, familiar? Because you're a Madison guy. How uh, how familiar were you with uh, with Gary Suter, a Stanley Cup champion, of course, right here in the in the city?
3: Absolutely. No, I mean uh, Suter family. I mean Bob was instrumental in in me growing up. Uh, he he played a big role in, in toughening me up. And, uh, you know, I'd stop in, in his store on the way to Suter's gold medal sports, man. I'd stop in there every single, uh, day on the way to school. And then he'd, uh, he'd throw me a good punch in the chest and, you know, I'd be on my way. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a great community, Madison. It's a great hockey town. And, uh, yeah, that Suter family is, uh, very near and dear to my heart. And, uh, Living, living close to the young Gary now so I mean uh, we're, we're still going with all the fooders
1: obviously the PGA Tour champion schedule keeps you awfully busy but do you get on skates at all these days
3: you know I did a I used to do some some summer work with the guys when they'd come back to the University of Wisconsin and uh, I played in a Blake Jeffrey on classic it was a while ago now And, you know, even even warming up for that event and playing in that event, you know, Pavs was there, Gilbert. I mean, Burrish, it was just a ton of guys. Uh, Mike Elliott was in goal. I mean, you had a bunch of the the gold medal women were there. Uh, You know, and I just, those muscles aren't exactly in top shape. And I still (laughs) tried to do what I had done in the past. And I was ripping some places that I really don't ever want to rip again. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll go with my son on the ponds. Yeah. You know, everything freezes over in Madison. So, uh, you know, if we can, if we can find good ice, it, I'd, I'd always love to go out, but in the competitive sense, that's why I love playing against the NHL guys, because hey, they don't, they don't want to get hit. They don't want sticks on their arms or their ankles or the back of their legs. They get that for a living, so, you know, it's, it, it's fun to play along with those guys and just, you know, the beauty of the game and, and watching them skate and me just struggling trying to keep up somehow.
1: <laughs> you're uh, you're still playing incredible golf in, in your mid-50s, so maybe you can uh, put this in perspective for us. Can you explain how Joe Pavelski has failed to age in the past few seasons in the National Hockey
3: League? It's it's so awesome. I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, just, you know, I mean, the sheer amount of points, but now setting up, uh, you know, how many points he had this playoffs. I, I mean, it's just, it's so cool watching him happen. He's, he's so laid back that you know what he's like when he's on the ice. He's just an absolute grinder and, and goes after it. And it, you got to have that kind of heart into it. You know, and he's you know, especially the hit that he took this year is still coming back. And scoring two goals the next game. I mean, right? Yeah, he's he's an animal. I I, I love playing golf with him too, and he can play and he he can he can hit the ball. So, uh, yeah, it's just a a great crew up in up Wisconsin. Down in Wisconsin, well, Down what in not. Wisconsin sorry.
1: Uh, <laughs> one more. Hockey question for you, because I know you're a big Chicago Blackhawks fan, and uh, we've talked once or twice on this station about Connor Bedard. What uh, what do you see in uh, in the soon-to-be Blackhawks rookie sensation?
3: I mean, I I haven't been able to watch a whole lot of highlights so far, uh, other than you know, pre-draft and post-draft. Uh, but you know, they got a few guys around them that I, that I think are definitely going to help. They have got a couple of good locker room guys. Uh, you know, it's, it's rebuilding. So they're all going to build around them. And, uh, you know, I think, I think we need some beef on defense and, uh, you know, back in the day when Bufflin was, was standing in front of the net, it'd be kind of nice to have one of those big boys just, uh, blocking the way to take a little pressure off the goalie. So, uh, then we can go down and have some good offense.
0: Well, Jerry, really appreciate the time this afternoon. Uh, looking forward to seeing you out here when things get going on uh, Friday for real and uh, looking forward to seeing you out here even tomorrow. Really appreciate the time this afternoon and uh, good luck defending that championship, hey?
3: Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks, for Rogers, for coming on board with the Charity Charity the Classic.
0: It's a... It's good company man right
3: there.
0: Uh, good stuff, Jerry. Appreciate it. Good luck, hey?
3: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: That is uh, 2022 Shaw Charity Classic presented by Rogers winner uh, Jerry Kelly joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Steinberg, Logan, Wes Gilbertson. Wes, how many times have you talked to Jerry specifically about his hockey roots? Is that like number two or
1: three? Certainly last year when he was on his way to, to winning the Shaw Charity Classic, we chatted about it a lot. And I I've heard it and and I still laugh every time he describes his uh his penchant for puck watching, if that would be a, a good way to sum it up. But uh yeah, we've talked a lot of hockey. We've uh he is a big Blackhawks fan and I know he downplayed it, but I I can confirm he's done a little bit of youtubing of Connor Bedard highlights. So uh he's pretty fired up for the upcoming season. But first, you know, he's he's a guy who has had a lot of success on this golf course here at, at Canyon Meadows. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough field, but it'll, uh, it'll be fascinating to, to see him try and go back to back out here.
0: What, uh, what I'm about to say means nothing to, to anybody but you, but, uh, you sent that text, the wrong person about your, uh, your file. Um, Wes is having issues with his laptop, so I just wanted to make sure you sent it to the right person as soon as possible we can. We're going to take a break come back and uh, look who's sitting down with us. We'll take a quick break and come back Uh, You know what? Why don't we just keep rolling right into it right now? We've got him right now. Why why make the man wait? Why make him wait? He's right here. Let's say hello to uh, 2003 Masters Champion Mike Weir, who joins us uh, right now at Canyon Meadows
4: Live. Uh, Mike, appreciate this. How are you doing today? No problem. Doing well. Uh, How uh, how's the week been so far it's been great um i was just telling some of the guys over there the course is in great condition you know usually late summer the course is firm and fast and right now as you can see it's very green very lush um greens are holding and rolling true so a uh, nice test out there right now
0: how uh how how special is it to to come back and play in
4: canada every once in a while once in a while yeah once it is once in a while yeah i <laughs> <laughs> wish it was more but it's uh it's great to come back home uh see a lot of familiar faces um, I'll be in Ontario next, you know, we play close to the border next week in Michigan. That's where my family's from is Ontario, so I'll spend a couple of days early in the week next week in Ontario, so it's good to be up in Canada for a little bit here. Where uh,
0: Where's home base for you now? Is it? Uh... Uh, I've been in Salt Lake City for a while. Okay, it still yet. is in Salt Lake, so this is actually not, uh, this is somewhat in your neck of the woods. Yeah, it is, then. yeah, it's
4: just straight north. And, uh, I've been up here for a while, actually last week I was in Saskatchewan pike fishing, so I've been spend a little more time up north um
0: tell us today, so you're you're liking the way uh you're liking the way the course is playing right yeah now?
4: yeah it's really really nice uh it's just it's you know when it's lush like this it plays a little longer um and you know obviously the weather we're, we're expecting here friday uh to roll in so it's the course will play quite a bit longer uh even as well from from today and tomorrow to to friday so it'll play quite different uh, mike you've been here a couple of times how cool has it been to see uh, a canadian
2: tournament like this grow over the years into what it's become now
4: yeah, you know, it's like the flagship event on the Champions Tour with, you know, the charity dollars that that's give back to the community. And, um, you know, I think all the players really love coming up here. They love the fans, the fan support, and um, and coming up. So, you know, it's one of the better events on our on the Champions Tour, so guys really love it. Yeah, it does seem like to be one
2: of those ones that the players talk about between each other because yeah. I was telling the West earlier, it seems like, you know, more and more guys that you recognize around the game of golf seem to make this a stop on the tour for
4: them. Yeah, yeah, you see a lot of the top names coming up to play this event. So, I suspect that'll uh, kind of continue with, uh, you know, with 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 Shaw and Rogers. Now,
1: is there? There's so many legends of the sport on, on this tour, and obviously, you know, they're not necessarily legends. to You, they're they buddies. You've you've competed against them for a long time. But I, I'm curious. Like, is there anyone out here on the PGA Tour champions that you still kind of get caught up watching? That you like to, you know, see out on the golf course?
4: I mean, not really, but I do. You know. One guy I, I obviously respect a lot is Bernard Langer. You know, what he's been able to do even at his age now, I, I love watching him play. I love the way he goes about it. Um, and so I just love that discipline because um, I'm not like him, but I am kind of disciplined player, and uh, that's how I've had to compete because I don't hit it far. I, you know, have to have a, have a very disciplined game. So I've always enjoyed watching Bernard and how he's gone about it um, in his way.
1: As you uh, get warmed up here for a, a crack at Canyon Meadows and obviously the Shaw Charity Classic, what is the the sort of state of your game? How are you feeling as you arrive in Calgary?
4: Well, it's a little uh, maybe indifferent, I would say. You know, the last <laughs> I haven't I haven't done much in the last couple of weeks since I got back. I, I did go over to the British Open and didn't have a great great tournament there. And the weeks before that, I was kind of in you know kind of played in the, in the middle of the pack, you know, 20th, 30th place, so I wasn't playing great. Uh, so I took a little time away, like I said, went fishing. Uh, my practice of the last week's been better. Today was a great day, so hopefully a little time away is uh, get back up playing some good golf here the rest of the season.
1: Fishing stories aren't quite the same on radio because we can't see <laughs> right. you stretch your yeah, arms exactly. out and uh, I caught exactly. one this big. But how exactly. how was the pike fishing in Saskatchewan? <laughs> it, was great. it
4: was great. Wollaston Lake, it was it was wonderful. We uh, we caught some big pike. We caught a lot of pike, but we got some, you know, 40, 45. 44 was the biggest one I caught my uh, – one buddy caught one forty-eight inches so there's some big pike caught up there
1: has that always been an escape not necessarily Walston lake but has yeah. fishing always been a way for you to get away from from work
4: yeah one of the things you know i in, in the summer that's one thing i do you know where i live in utah there's great fly fishing so i i love to do that um uh, and skiing skiing in the winter times my uh, my getaway thing
0: we're chatting with Mike Weir here at the Shaw Charity Classic. It's it's funny. Was it uh, I believe it was 2017 when you were uh, inducted into Canada Sports Hall of Fame, and you're out here. And I remember talking to you then. So you know, we're six years we're six years beyond that. And I remember asking you then about you know reflecting on. The not not just what happened in two thousand three and and winning at Augusta, but just the way Canadian golf has uh, advanced since then. Do you uh, do you ever get an opportunity to reflect on the last twenty years or so of Canadian golf and and what that moment meant
4: to the sport in this country? I guess you know I don't really, to, to be honest. Like I don't I don't think about it that way. But until I get asked, and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but it is in a great state right now. The uh, you know Canadian golf. There's a lot of you know, I think I think five wins, uh, with the Canadians this year. So, that's unprecedented. We never had anything like that happen. So that's it's, it's in a great state. For me personally, being the Presidents Cup captain next year, you know, to have those guys playing well, yeah, I'd love to see them make it on the team. So it makes my job easier and don't have to uh, pick too many of them. But um, you know, I'm hoping th- three or four guys make the team. That'd be incredible. When I was playing those those team events, you know, I was usually the only guy on them. So. Um, where back then there was you know three or four Australians or three or four South Africans and, and now we're trending towards maybe the Koreans the Canadians uh, making up the majority of yeah. the uh, the Presidents Cup team so that's exciting.
0: When you see the un, as you said unprecedented success for Canadians this year, I, I know that you don't you don't feel responsible for that, but do you feel like some kinship? Like is that something that yeah. you that you
4: you check off and say that's that's awesome? Yeah, I do, and I and and the guys have mentioned something you know along the way like you know watching me win that that masters inspired them that they could do it so um you know that that's that's great the that you know they know me I'm just normal guy I I work hard and that if you do that you know you can achieve great things in this game so um maybe they've 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 used that a little bit does it?
2: and to what Pat was saying there but when you see an Adam Hadwin a Brooke Henderson Mackenzie Hughes those kind of guys do you do you ever sit there and think go back to 3 and think man if I hadn't started going down that path, maybe we wouldn't see as many Canadian golfers as we do now.
4: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say maybe, yeah. you know, possibly, I mean, I had uh, Dick Zockel and Dave Barr and Dan Halderson. Those are the guys I looked up to. And back then, obviously looking at the newspaper not, not the internet, <laughs> yeah. and looking at the highlighted uh, <laughs> names on, the, on, on the, you know, on the, on the leaderboard on, in the newspaper. Um, and those guys were great to me when I was coming up the ranks and I've tried to try to be there for them. And, you know, you don't want to be that guy that's telling the younger guys what to do, but you want to, you want them to know that you're there for them if they have any questions about anything, major championship golf and preparation and things like that, because they all have their coaches and their team. You're not going to really coach them, but if they have questions, you try to be there for
1: them. On a, a sort of similar topic, if you don't mind, rewind for us. I, I believe it was June 11th. You're standing beside the 18th green at Oakdale in Toronto. I think maybe working on a beer as Nick Taylor and, and Tommy oh. Fleetwood go up and down eighteen in a playoff. Yeah. We've talked so much about the you know, drought. A Canadian hadn't won the Canadian Open since the nineteen fifties. I know you came really, really close. What what was it like to be there to see Nick Taylor put that storyline to rest?
4: Yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was, it was great to be part of, to, to watch that. Um, I was kind of side view to that long putt that he made, so I couldn't tell if it was online, but you could hear the crowd behind kind of, uh, you know, the, the volume kind of raising up as the the putt got closer to the hole. Um, it was super exciting. What a way to end. I mean, it was just incredible. Um, they both played great. Uh, Tommy obviously played great too and made, made that huge clutch putt. in the, I think maybe the first playoff hole down the hill. Right. Slider. And you're just wondering, you know, is it going to happen? But uh, I don't know in my gut, I just felt like it was, it was going to be Nick's time. I, he just uh, played so well after Thursday and, um, you know, I played enough with Nick to, to, to know that there's, you know, a lot of potential in there and to, to see it fulfilled is wonderful.
1: Did, you weren't the only Canadian golfer standing by the green. I think we all know what happened to Adam Hadwin in the celebrations, <laughs> but did, did all the Canadian guys who've played on the PGA tour who have kind of helped each other with the climb, did everyone take pride in, in that win in some ways?
4: I think no doubt. I think no doubt. All everybody, you know, takes pride in that. And uh, we wanted to see that streak broken. And, um, you know, it was, it was unique that we were all still there. I mean, I was there because, I, you know, I, I was just there. But the other guys were waiting for this charter pl- flight to go to the U.S. Open. Right? Okay. There's a plane there, so everybody's sticking around. And that's why the, a lot of the European guys were still sticking around. Usually you don't see that at a PGA Tour event. You guys are, you know, catching their flights and stuff. So it was really cool to see everybody still sticking around. And, of course, the European guys were there cheering on Tommy and all of us guys were cheering on Nick. And, <laughs> um, there was some banter go- back and forth when we were – going from the ninth green back to 18. So that was, it was just really cool to be part of and and uh, to see, see it happen. Finally.
1: Let me ask you about one more guy. We've talked a lot in Calgary because it was home for him for 20 plus years about what Steven Ames has accomplished on the PGA tour champions this season just picked up his fourth victory last weekend in Seattle. What, what are you seeing out of Steven these days that is allowing him to just piece together this sort of remarkable run he's been on?
4: Yeah, I haven't played with Stephen this year. I mean, I haven't – you know, I wasn't there last week, but I know he played wonderful. He separated himself, you know, big time, uh, one by six or seven, I think. And, um, you know, it just goes to show you that, you know, we have Bernard at 65 doing this. but Stephen's, you know, kind of in his late 50s and having this resurgence. And, you know, it's it's wonderful to see. He's playing great golf. um, Probably some – I'm sure he's probably playing some of the best golf in his life. And that's what's great about the sport, you know, that you can still – work on your game and want to get better. And, you know, Steven still works hard on his game. And, um, so it's great to see, it's great to see that he's, uh, you know, really elevated things this year and and really playing at a high level.
2: Just speaking of that, working on your game, Mike, over the years, how does it changed for you? Have you noticed having to make big adjustments as you've continued in your golf career down the stretch more?
4: Yeah, I've had, I've had to work around some things you work around some injuries as most guys who are 50 out here are, (laughs) are dealing with something. And, um, yeah, there's always like little adjustments that you're making uh, to play. I mean, the big thing is out here on this tour, power's power's important, but it's mm-hmm. not everything. On the PGA Tour, if you don't have power, you're yeah. in trouble. And that's that's a big shift in the last 20 years on the PGA Tour. Um, you could be a really good player on the PGA Tour, you're not going to be one of the top 10 players in the world unless you're unless you're long. So um, that's not the case out here. If you can just if you can be solid, you know, solid short game, putt great, you can still have a you know, great season out here. So, um, yeah, you're always tweaking and adjusting. I think that's just nature of the game. We're always, you know, Tiger's example, right? You know, down yeah. through a bunch of coaches. We we all kind of are working. And if things that aren't working, we're looking for something else. Really
0: appreciate the time this afternoon. Uh, good luck this week. Good luck this yeah. weekend. Thanks for doing this. That yeah, was cool. I appreciate it.
4: Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, guys. That's
0: Thanks. Mike Weir, uh, 2003 Masters Champion. He is in the field here at the Shot Charity Classic, presented by Rogers. And, of course, round one goes Friday and then all through the weekend. Tickets still available at shotcharityclassic.com. Um, you still have the option to head over there and uh, be a part of it. And, and I'll be be—I'll be perfectly honest with you, gents. You know, Wes is the golf guy. Of, of the three of us, There's um, there's two guys that play golf and then there's the golfer. Uh and it's just it's cool like you know having played golf lots in my life having attended a couple of events but um being here and like sitting here on the uh we're we're right here just outside the club I feel like uh I feel like Jim Nance. I feel like uh I'm like and uh, here we are on the final round at the Augusta I, like, I feel We're we're in a cool spot. Look at this view we have. I think it's pretty cool to be here like this. This, I, I think you're kind of like gymnasts, Pat. I, I would, I would. In that, I have uh, two arms and two legs. Yeah, that how i like Jim Nance. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah. I, I have <laughs> a, I have a voice that works. It uh, ish,
1: you know. It, it, might not work in uh, November as, as we're teeing up you know, a a flames game, but I, I think we should broadcast more from golf courses personally.
3: I
0: I don't mind this at all. (laughs) No. And the weather cooled down for us for one day. Tomorrow's like back up to 36 high. Today is very, very uh, manageable today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you, if you haven't been, if you're, if you're a golfer, if you're a golf fan in Calgary, and you haven't been out to watch this caliber, I, this this is going to sound weird but this is how I always say it. The golf ball sounds different when these guys hit it. Oh. It it's not the it's not the tinny ringy kind of noise that it makes when I hit a golf ball or when Pat hits a golf ball or when Logo hits a golf ball. It's not that sort of shriek that the golf ball makes when Vickers is hitting it <laughs> into the middle of a pond. It just Sounds yeah, a lot less, different. A
2: lot of splashing going on when these guys are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that.
1: Vic, Vixie would not believe how few golf balls these guys have in their bed <laughs> for a round.
2: He's <laughs> only got two for the whole round. What? It's like a two for, Eric Vickers got two for the putting green. <laughs> it is. It is.
0: Uh, and Wes, you'd be able to, we'll, we'll take a quick break here, but Wes, you'd be able to speak to this going back to the, the first event. Um, and we're talking now a decade ago to where we are here in 2023 uh and and the field was you know there were some really recognizable names in the field in 2013 i remember going back and being like, oh Fred, freddy couples is playing here and you're like that's cool like freddy couples is in my city but now you go take a look at this field and you're like every third name you're like holy that, that guy's playing in my city like the the field has it's not like it was a poor field to begin with but this has turned into as star studded a pga tour champions field as you're gonna find anywhere
1: yeah absolutely and what you see is when the groupings come out and they'll Play playing threesomes when the groupings come out for Friday you'll see some sort of power trios but there's enough of them now that it, it you know it's a great spectator experience because it gets spread out Fred Couples might be on hole four and John Daly might be on hole eight and Mike Weir is on the back nine somewhere like you can come out and make a list of all the guys you want to see and then you have to hustle around because there's it's going to be a long list if you yeah. follow golf you know so many of these players, and that makes it cool. And then I'm sure you guys have talked about it on the air. We have the Legends of Hockey Skins game Saturday yep. afternoon as well. And so, you know, when when Mike and Fred and John Daly are, are finishing up their round, we're going to see Mike Vernon and Mackenzie Weger and Marie-Philippe Poulin and Josh Morrissey, eight of them in total, out in a charity skins game. And, and that's going to be a blast as well.
0: Yep. It's, uh, I I really, uh, just head over to com. All the information about the field, all the information about the different events, all the information about tickets, Canyon Meadows, and a whole lot more. We're here at Canyon Meadows, the Shaw Charity Classic, presented by Rogers with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media and Logan Gordon. My name is Pat Steinberg. I'll take a break, come back with more Flames Talks at the top of the hour. This is uh, Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. So if you're wondering what happened... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have this we have this new setup uh welcome back I apologize and and apparently we're um we're we're using an iPhone yes. to this new setup that's how we're we're getting out over the air and um on this iPhone, somebody called us as soon as somebody called us it took us off the air off the air we go so uh, I don't know what number it is, but please don't call that number. I'm not sure what number it is but that's how we do it the boys the afternoon boys get all the all the trial and error that's how we do it here
1: i i should have I, this is on me guys cuz i should have warned you i've been winning a lot of contests lately <laughs> you know a lot of free flights uh, yep. cra is always trying to send me an e transfer if i'll just send my my sure. details so yep. i This one's on me. You know, they're probably trying to get a hold of me, and I apologize. He did
2: jump up to answer the phone very quickly. You did very quickly. Get the hell out of my way. What are you guys doing? Well, and
0: for us here, all we heard was through our board was the stupid iPhone ring. And we're like, what what is happening right now?
1: What you guys saw was the reaction of someone who plays a lot of golf. When, When you forget, when you leave the ringer on at a golf course and you start to hear it, there's a sheer panic. Yeah, there. A lot Absolutely. Of those quiet there paddles is. and
2: everything, right? Yeah. yeah. It's the same as in a scrum, right? You don't want your phone going off in the middle of a scrum at the Saddle Dome or something, right? You've got cadre ready to go there, and then who let the dogs out comes out over Wes's phone or something, and we're just going to stop it and the start The dance again. remix, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Obviously. That's
0: the song that you chose, eh? Hey?
2: Yeah, it was going to go worse but i said not to
0: and i honestly have no idea how to make it so that doesn't happen again if
2: that person calls back this is just going to be a consistent yeah. problem for us ah, you know what ah, just letterbuck guys new,
0: <laughs> new radio who dis <sighs> um wes and i were talking about this on the phone um earlier phones that oh, did we not not other? that <laughs> one phones that no, don't was. knock radio shows off the air um we were talking about how not just from a Calgary Flames perspective, but just across the NHL, how friggin' quiet it has been. And, and you know, it's funny. I was, I was still overseas when the Eric Carlson trade got made, but I was thinking the same thing you were, Wes, that maybe maybe the Carlson trade might shake things loose a little bit. Maybe, you know, maybe that Carlson deal with all of the pieces that went into it, all the money that moved, maybe that would start to get things going a little bit more on what has been a very stagnant trade market across the NHL. But you know, that, that deal is, what, a week old, a little bit more than a week old now, and, and there hasn't been anything since. Um, it has been it has been a very quiet summer around the NHL when it comes to player movement
1: it uh, it's been especially I don't know what the word I'm looking for is it's I guess it's been especially unexpected because we talked about what a you know what a mover and shaker summer this was supposed to be not just for the Calgary Flames but for the the Winnipeg Jets and, and all these teams that were, were sort of on the list of, oh, they, they've got a lot they're going to try and get accomplished. And and then, obviously, there's a little bit of activity at the draft, but but probably not as much as we expected on a league-wide standpoint, happening certainly on the draft floor, and then you get into free agency. You have your several hours of mayhem, as, as you always do, but then it just went dead quiet. And it's almost stayed that way, with the exception of, of a couple of big deals. And I wondered if that Carlson one yeah. would would get some teams circling back to something they would tried to get done. But to this point, it doesn't uh, it doesn't seem like uh, a whole lot is happening around the National Hockey League.
2: First of all, I think you're both being pretty disrespectful to P. S. Suter in Vancouver, but. Um... I think you guys didn't give that enough bump. Probably, could have been him. Really should have been. Could have been him phoning. Yeah, it might on. have been, actually. that's That was the big get we got on the show today, and we just disrespected him doing that. But, no, I'm kind of with you guys. I, I think if you go down the list of big names that we were expecting to get moved, obviously we have the names here in Calgary that, for the most part, we're still talking about. West, you make a good point with the Jets. Weren't we supposed to be in this situation where Connor Hellebuck uh, needed Mark to move Shifley. out? Mark Mark Shifley was supposed to be gone. Okay, yeah, you moved out Pierre-Luc Dubois, but that's just one part of the the scenario there. It took a while for Alex to brink it to get traded, and even then, I think we we're kind of expecting that to be more of a you know bidding war for him more than anything. And I think honestly, guys, we're just talking about a, a maybe a GM group that's I don't want to say exhausted all of their options in the flat cap world. But are really starting to feel the pinch of that more maybe now than ever, and I think we're talking about 32 guys around the league that are going to be pretty excited next year uh, to start seeing that increase yeah. go up and give them a little bit of leeway.
1: So, boys, do we see the logjam kind of breaking up over the next month, or are we? I don't know. And I don't just mean here in Calgary, where I do think the roster is going to look much the same as it does today at the start of training camp. But do we think
0: there's sort of a a, a late summer flurry coming? I don't know, because everybody, like, nothing changes, in fact, because the the only thing that I think might change it is and it might not be before training camp but it might be when some of these teams have to get cap compliant because you can be 10% over the cap until whenever you got to be whatever it is the, the day before the start of the regular season is when you got to be cap compliant so maybe as teams start to you know because we know Toronto's over the cap and right now Calgary's over the cap and there's, there's I think 7 or 8 teams that are over the cap and another 8 or 9 teams that have less than a million dollars of wiggle room so I think as teams start to wrestle with having to get cap compliant and ice a twenty one to twenty three man roster, that's maybe when we start to see a couple of pieces of ice shake loose. Otherwise, I, I think we're kind of in this holding pattern because everybody knows that that Kevin Sheveldeoff wants to make moves. Everybody knows that Craig Conroy has got decisions to make with the Flames. Everybody knows that Brad Tier living in Toronto has to move out all kinds of money to get his team iceable and compliance so you know there's there's not a lot of teams right now that are unless they're going to clearly be winning or clearly be getting something good out of it not a lot of teams that are that are willing to play ball right now
2: well i just i just don't know how many teams i don't even know that are willing to play ball but just have the money to uh, i mean even look at how you know complicated it wound up being for the eric carlson how much money got moved all considered with a team retaining guys with significant money on their contracts still being moved. Uh, I just think it's it's a it's a tough spot right now because I think you're right, Pat. I think guys want to make moves. I, I just don't know that there's enough ways to make it happen given how much money is out there for guys that we want to talk about. I mean, we, we've talked so much about a Lindholm or a Hanafit for example, being guys that are on these contracts that can make sense uh, as far as fitting it in on your cap. But, I mean, if we're at this point and even those contracts are having a difficult time being moved, I wonder if we don't have to wait until we get into training camp in the first couple of games of the season where GMs can look at their team and say, look, I, maybe that thought I had in August about needing to shore up my decor right. Right, now that I've seen it a bit, I, I think I need to go out and make that move. Because now, right, as you've said, Pat, most of the paper, rush as far as how things are going to look, comes training camp in a couple of weeks. Guys, they're set already, Wes.
1: Yeah, I I think so and, and yet I just wonder because I know that a bunch of teams haven't necessarily done the amount of tweaking that they wanted to do. And so we talk you know, whenever we talk to National Hockey League general managers, we always hear about sort of the different pressure points through the schedule and the different pressure points that get things done, whether that's trade deadline, you know, whether whether that's just arbitration deadlines or you know here here's the deadline to make sure you have this done well it's probably going to get done just a few hours before that and we've never looked at the start of training camp or maybe the start of september when when players start to head back to their cities as a pressure point but i just wonder if teams are still looking at it as we sit here in mid-august and saying geez we you know this was our to-do list this summer and we didn't get this done and we we didn't fill this hole and I just wonder if there's going to be a little one or two day flourish where we see a few things around the league happen, and and it would be very rare for this time in August for that to occur. But absolutely, but it will the, be. the NHL offseason has become a different animal over the last couple of years. I'm not sure it follows the same timelines that it always did. Even when you look back to to Nazem Kadri not signing until around this time last year, yep. and so I think. It's going to stay quiet, but, you know, I guess my spidey senses are still tingling a little. I wonder if there's got to be something out there, whether it's for the Calgary Flames or another franchise. I hope
2: you're right. I hope that there's something significant to talk about in the next couple of weeks. Although for
0: for our purposes, it may not be best for Craig Conroy and the Flames, but for our purposes, if Lindholm, Hannafin, back, if they're all there at training camp, it's great for us. Yeah, (laughs) we've got that'll give us all kinds of of storylines to talk about for weeks and weeks and months and months. And it may have to be until. I said this on Monday, but it may it may have to be until uh, November until a deal gets done for one of those guys. Like if it's if it's Hannafin and you're not getting the type of deals that, that you're looking for, you're not getting the type of offers that, that you think are worthy of the type of player Noah is right now and and everything that I'm led to believe is that it's, that's exactly what's happening here on August 16th. If that's the case, then, yeah, if you have to wait until November 12th I just throw that name out there, that number out there for for random. But if you have to wait until mid-November to get a deal done, and that's when you hit the price that you're looking for, so be it. You still get the right price, and you still make the right trade. There is a little bit of patience being a virtue in this thing.
1: Yeah, and I'm just putting November 12th in my uh, calendar. I just want to have a little alarm set because nobody has their fingers on the pulse of the Calgary (laughs) Flames like Pat. So if he says November 12th, mark it down. November 12th, big things are happening, but... In all seriousness, I I think Craig Conroy, and I've said it on the air before, I think Craig Conroy deserves a lot of credit for the patience he has shown because I think a general manager and and specifically a rookie general manager could have in some ways been suckered into some bad deals at this time of year. I I think if Craig Conroy and his cohorts had it set in their mind that we have to trade Backlund before the season starts and – you know, we have to trade Elias Lindholm. We're not waiting any longer for an answer. We have to, you know, we have to trade Noah Hannafin. I, I think, based on everything we've heard, there were some bad deals out there that they could have taken. Yep. Or maybe they weren't bad deals, but there were deals that were not up to what the Calgary Flames consider to be fair market value. And so, credit to Craig Conroy. This yep. is this has the potential to be an uncomfortable training camp in some way, shape, and form because of the number of guys whose future is going to be up in the air. But Well, and, and it, he
2: needs to set that precedent for himself, too, to the other GMs. Sure. I, I think it's one thing to talk about it from a, a Flames perspective, because I think you're right. For the better of the Calgary Flames, Craig Conroy waiting on for that deal, but I also think from a personal perspective, for Craig Conroy, the GM, not only as long as he's here in Calgary, but maybe in the future, right, to set these relationships up with everybody else across the league and say, look, I'm not taking... Less value on good assets. This is how I'm gonna play ball for as long as I'm a GM. This is when he's this is the time to make that happen if you're Craig. Yep. Let's
0: take a break. That'll wrap up Sportsnet today. We're here at the Shaw Charity Classic at Canyon Metals. We're here on Sportsnet 960, the fan.